before we get started here today, we couldn't continue putting out all of this mediocre content without the help of our phenomenal sponsors. And today, one of those sponsors is Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host ad reads, interview segments, topical discussions, and much more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasts of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. We personally just discovered Podcorn recently, and we can't rave about it enough. We've secured two sponsors in our first two days, and we've browsed tons of new opportunities. I know a lot of you that listen to us have your own podcasts, or you may have aspirations to start one, and Podcorn is a great place to help kickstart your show. Yeah, please click the link in our description to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities now. Again, thank you to our episode sponsor, Podcorn. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for episode 204 of The Cut. I am your host, Christian Williams. I'm here with my co-host, Randall Hall. Randy, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty solid. Hey. Uh, excited excited for the episode. Oh, I am stoked for this episode. <laughs> it um, is a late night, but I'm excited. <laughs> it is a late night. I work in the morning. Uh, when you will probably yeah. see this, I will be at work, but that's okay. Because you got to get some money, you know? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, man. All right, before we get started, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you go click subscribe, follow us on our socials at The Cut FFL, and uh, if you're feeling super generous, leave us some five-star ratings. Uh, If you're into our mediocrity, uh, five stars equals mediocre. So uh, today we'll be talking a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of stuff on the docket. Um, We had a last-minute interview pop up with john vogel he is the founder of draft right um and he is an nfl draft expert he was down at the senior bowl um so we talked with him about that and and some other things we also are going to be going over our 2020 rookie quarterback rankings um and we have a little bit of a an nfl draft trivia segment that we're gonna try to fit in at the end so uh Without further ado, we'll just kick it straight to the interview. It was pre-recorded, um, but this is John Vogel from Draft Right. Welcome in, guys. We are excited. We have John Vogel here. He's an NFL draft expert. He is the founder of Draft Right. John, first, thank you for for coming on and, and talking with us, especially on such short notice. Uh, we appreciate that. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well, guys. Um... Thanks for having me on. First off, um, always love talking NFL draft, and you guys just happened to hit me on one of the nights that I have off, so you know <laughs> that worked out. Worked out perfect. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just talking about the Senior Bowl and you know a couple other things. So I know you mentioned some prospects that you wanted to talk about, and hopefully I've looked at them already. I'm sure I probably have at some point. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so you mentioned the Senior Bowl. I guess we can kick off with that. Um, we saw you got the credential this year. 
congratulations. First of all, that's awesome. Um, that's basically a dream of ours to, to get that invite to the senior bowl. Um, what was that experience like in general? So, uh, I was, I was invited by Jim Nagy, um, himself in August via Twitter. He reached out and said he wanted me to come down. And, uh, so that was one of the kind of, it was very cool. Um, but once you got down there, it's, it's NFL dreamland, man. Cause you're walking down the street and you'll pass Daniel Jeremiah walking up to go do something. And then there goes the Redskins scouting department, or you'll be sitting in a cafe somewhere and John Lynch sits down next to you and you're trying to place who he is. Cause you know, you've seen his face before, you know? <laughs> so like, it's just like, there's con you're constantly getting hit from all different angles of different NFL people. And they're all wanting to talk sports and stuff and at the same time kind of avoid you because you've got this big giant media thing on your you know badge but um once you kind of get to sit down and kind of talk with some of these guys a little bit you find that you know they're all human too and they're all working the same thing that you know you're hoping to do so awesome uh, this isn't even one of our questions Wh who was your favorite person to talk to down there <sighs> i would say charles davis oh wow all right. um, because I was fixing to leave on Friday and I was sitting in this, uh, there's a coffee house right down the street from the Renaissance where he and uh, Andrew Siciliano were doing some prep for the game on Friday and uh, really, really outstanding individual. Like I'd seen him throughout the week, you know, in passing, talking to people and um, just super, super positive. Uh, always saying a bright word. In fact, he walked past me, started the conversation. He's like, "Oh, I see you grinding over there, putting the rest of it the shame." And it was kind of like, "Oh, okay, wow, Charles Davis, cool." You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, uh, just I know uh, you had your work down there too. So, is there any prospect that stood out to you personally? Yeah, there were a couple um, that I came into the week that I didn't really know much, much of anything about that I came away very impressed with. I think um, Josh Uche out of Michigan is an edge guy who really impressed last uh, during that week down there. I came into it kind of, I looked at him a little bit, hadn't given any extensive film study or anything. And uh, from what I had seen, I wasn't impressed and I wasn't understanding the hype, but um, it kind of looks like Michigan misused him in their scheme, tried to use him as a hybrid linebacker, to kind of cover tight ends and stuff. And he's not a coverage guy. And you kind of saw that in the reps too. But when he was a straight up edge around as a nine tech specifically, a very, very solid prospect. And uh, I think I wrote that in my scouting report. Mm. Once I put that out last week, cause I mentioned that he's very, he's very role specific and the team that takes him is going to have to figure out how they're going to play that role in their system. Um, because he does need to develop that coverage ability and he probably does need to work on his seven tech. So right. that makes sense. I mean, they kind of did the same thing with Rashawn Gary where no one really knew what was going on anymore just because he wasn't used properly. Yeah, honestly, I mean, that's a great example, but Gary kind of made a mistake when he entered the draft because he was really an interior defensive lineman. Yeah. And Edge guys make all the money, and that's where you tried to switch to. He was just a little bit heavy, wasn't quick enough, didn't have that the hand usage to get around people when trying to do his perform a speed rush, for example. And so, if Gary had stuck with his playing an interior defensive line and trained on that during the process, it might have been a little bit better for him. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyone that 
you thought was going to be really good and just didn't really meet up to what you thought was coming in? Yeah, there was a couple. Um, so, Isang Bassi, I think, was one that really stood out because he was one of those guys that on tape kind of popped and you're really excited about. Um, you knew he was a little bit undersized coming in, but he looked physical. And what happened is when he got to Mobile, he was absolutely manhandled by several receivers, specifically Denzel Mims. I think there were there were several one-on-one instances and drills, and then there, even in the game where Mims just simply threw him aside, and it was bad. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't play well in press. I think he's a little bit worried about getting beat deep, especially when he realized the competition of receivers that he was going up against in Mobile, which was absolutely unfair. Um, so that was that was one guy I think that really kind of we were expecting to see a whole lot more from, and he really disappointed through the week. Also not one of our questions. I know, I think the first conversation you and I had on Twitter was about uh, Gandy Golden. What did you think of him down there? I know I, I heard that he really didn't show anything new, um, but he didn't really hurt his stock while he was there either. What What do you think of him? Oh, so, um, there were a lot of people that came into the senior bowl, not knowing anything about Antonio Gandy golden. So like, um, when, when they saw him, they were thoroughly impressed. Now us of us that knew of Antonio and, you know, were already quite excited about him kind of left a little bit disappointed because I think what he really struggles with specifically is getting off of the release. Um, Brad Kelly, who used formerly of the draft network now with pro football network, um, he's very, very in depth with his wide receiver knowledge. He played wide receiver. He's a wide receivers coach. I think now he's a quarterback's offensive coordinator. At, um, I remember the school right now, off the top of my head. But I got the chance to sit with him and watch some tape for a while, for a couple hours, and we were watching specifically receivers and Antonio Gandy Golden, and it was the same thing every time off of his release. He's he does he doesn't try to use his size as leverage. And that's something that, you know, when you're a 6'5", 220-pound individual, you want to see. And um, that was kind of like the concerning thing. I think he can win. I think he's very raw in his technique, specifically at the top of his breaks when he's looking to create that separation. Um, Sometimes his hand usage isn't great. Sometimes his footwork isn't great. But he's... He's got the raw tools in the in the sense that he can catch pretty much anything you send his way. Absolutely, yeah. that that sounds exactly how I broke it to Christian. He was uh, <laughs> he was very high on him going into Senior Bowl and everything, and the, yeah. the the release was my main concern as well. But obviously, that's I mean, there's amazing coaches that know more than us in the NFL that can fix that. Uh, I don't know to what extent, but he can definitely improve. Oh yeah, get him on the Jets, man. Um, so so let's take a step back really quick uh we meant to ask you what initially drew you into covering the nfl draft i know uh i was drawn to it because i'm a cleveland browns fan and the the draft is basically our super bowl so um putting in a lot of the draft in cleveland this is Oh yeah, the epitome of Cleveland. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so, so what drew you in to to covering the draft? Oh, um, constantly seeing a lot of the top NFL draft analysts miss. 
on prospects and talking about people specifically early in the process where um they would kind of disappear and you'd kind of be like, well, why did they like them to begin with? Like, well, you know, this is a guy they were talking about in the first round. Like I think uh, specifically one uh, moment that comes to mind is Todd McShay being high on some unknown Minnesota quarterback, giving him a first, what was his name? Can't even remember his name anymore. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I there's I don't there's no way we're gonna remember because I'm sure he wasn't even talked about for after the no, first two he months. Was, like mocked <laughs> into 28th overall to the Cowboys, and I think he didn't even make a practice squad that year. So wow. it kind of just became this thing where yeah. it was like, um, just because I was such a big NFL fan and NFL aspiring NFL analyst, it was like, well, I can't trust these guys that are telling me that who's coming in the draft. With, with with who's actually good and what they actually do well. And so it's like, I'm going to go do it on my own. And uh, Draft Breakdown kind of got me into it back when that website was still a thing. Brian Perez had that. Yep. Um, coolest thing was getting to meet him in Mobile and be like, yeah, you actually kind of started this for me, this whole scouting thing. I'm here because of you. And uh, but it was, I found that was my passion. I like evaluating people. I like talking about who's good and who's not and why they're good and why they what they're going to struggle with. Awesome. Yeah, definitely a, a better reason than just being a Browns fan than having that <laughs> draft VR Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the reason. The rest was competition between people yeah. on this show for us. Me and you especially, mainly yeah. because we basically lived together for four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, John, we used to have uh, mock draft competitions where we would see who got the most right. Um, looking back, I mean... It was fun, but it was a little silly because you can't predict <laughs> trades and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, it was a good. I time. still try, and if I'm going to do oh, it, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to try. Oh, we're we're still going to have like six mocks. Don't don't get us wrong there. That's it's just I'm working that, on my two point. The competition right part was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's um, a website that everybody puts their mocks on. All the top people. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I'll have to I'll have to get back to you with the link because I can't remember what it is right now because I just heard about it and uh, everybody goes there. I mean everybody in the industry. So it is a competition. It is a thing. It's well, yeah, <laughs> I know that part. Now. It's more the us just <laughs> even just texting each other like, "See, you were wrong, dummy. I swear, <laughs> I told you." Let's yeah, gets picked yeah, the next pick. <laughs> Speaking of uh, telling people. That they were wrong, dummies. Um, I personally have been on the Jordan Love train pretty heavily. Randy just recently joined me. I'm not throwing you under the book. So I, I read your article actually this afternoon. Uh, it was titled "Why You Should Throw Out Jordan Love's 2019 Film." I honestly can't agree more. Um, so I just wanted to ask you a true or false question. Jordan Love has the potential to be the best quarterback in this class. True or false? That is a big shot. <laughs> That's you're, you're hoping for Russell Wilson there. That's a big shot. Well, it's all. I I, I have to say that's false. Okay. Um, okay thank and the you. reason that is because you have you have Joe Burrow, um, who's honestly probably the most pro ready prospect we've ever seen, and he still is growing. You know, he grew a lot in this year. He got better every game. I still have not seen a quarterback in college. Uh, and this is because I'll go back and look at old tape and look at old greats because to kind of see what they look like coming out, you know, to kind of understand that better. 
there's not a quarterback in college that's come out that I can think of that I've ever seen that throws people open better than Joe Burrow does. Um, and then you've got on the the very next guy is you know Tua Tagovailoa on that spectrum. This is a guy that just creates better than anyone that I've really ever seen and extends plays in these in, in just mind blowing incredible ways. He makes it look so easy and effortless. And that's kind of like you got those kind of guys floating around. Um, I don't think Justin Herbert's too much of a threat, but I think potentially, you know, if the Tua doesn't work out with his injury, maybe a second best quarterback if the ceiling works out the way that um, people hope. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I don't necessarily know that I think that he has that type of potential, but you never know. I figured I'd, I'd well, gauge yeah. your opinion on that. <laughs> and that's and that's not even entirely up to him. I mean, let's be real. It could be terrible drafts right after him, and the team could quit on him after four years. I mean, there's, there's plenty yeah, that could go wrong. You're going to see a lot of this from now on, I think, these – uh, teams taking a quarterback in the second, third, fourth round and kind of like that's a mid-round type starter, you know, or mid, mid-level. And they're going to kind of work with it as a Super Bowl window because you can win Super Bowls with a mid-level starter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. If you look at two of the top four quarterbacks that played in championship games this year, they're mid-level starters. One yeah. of them played in the Super Bowl. So you know you can do it. And so it's it's better f- from a cap standpoint to kind of build around to have paying someone you know five six million a year as opposed to forty as Patrick Mahomes is probably just about to get. Yeah. So you're going to see this kind of thing where people are going to be flipping quarterbacks a lot, and they're going to be drafting quarterbacks in the second, third. I think it's going to be something is going to start in the next. It's already starting, and you're going to see it more in the next five years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like. There's only a few teams that are trying to do that. And I mean, even I thought the Rams were going to continue to do that. And then they just paid golf. So that's not <laughs> happening. Uh, Angrily. The Rams Angrily, messed up their yes. cap space a while ago. Yeah. That's very true. And Rough. they and they continue to do it with trading away all their first round picks. Yep. John, what NFL team do you follow? Hi, I'm an Eagles fan. Okay. Uh, lifelong since I was six. I live in Tennessee, so I have natural ties to the Titans, but I covered the Saints for a year, so I kind of like them too. So Nice. All right. That's fine. <laughs> Can't say I hate any of those teams, so I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> All right. So I know that there's typically a battle between film guys and analytics guys in the draft world. Uh, a lot of people hang their hat on analytics a lot of people will watch film. Take us through your evaluation process. And could you kind of explain, like, I, I know you watch film because I see it all over the place, but how heavily do you weigh college production and then those advanced analytics that people love to, to spew off? Um, I think 85% of your evaluation is film. Um, I think another 10% is going to be the combine and the last 5% is going to be the box score. Cause I mean, there's going to, there's going to be different cases and, you know, outliers to that. I mean, like Joe Burrow, for example, not to sound like a broken record, but throwing for 5,600 yards and 60 touchdowns in the sec playing five top 10 teams throughout the entire season is unheard of. So you're going to weigh that a little bit heavier into your evaluation because you're like, wow, like nobody does that. 
you know, most people don't throw for 5,000 yards or 60 touchdowns in college football to begin with. Um, nor in the NFL for that matter. (laughs) So when you've got, when you've got somebody putting up crazy numbers like that in a weird spot, that's a little bit different, but you have to understand why that's happening. Um, and that's where the film comes in. That's why the film is so important. As for the combine, it is important, but you want to use it more as a uh, reassurance to what you've seen on tape. It's not so much a, okay, well, this guy is a boom or bust because, you know, it's like, like Henry Ruggs this year, for example. Yeah. If you watch him on tape, he's a top 15 prospect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Whether he gets drafted in the top 15 or not is going to depend if he runs a 4.2540 or a 4.3540. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I and hope I hope for him at this point he hits that four too because there's so many people just building up his entire stock on that. I don't believe it's he's definitely amazing, but there's a lot of people like, well, he's just fast. He's going to be up there. Yeah, if and and that's another thing too is people are going to point to the combine, you know, and if he goes and runs a four two five, they're going to be like, oh, he's John Ross. No, he's yeah. he he's not John Ross because that's why yeah. the, the tape's important. Because when you watch, he's not only a speedster, he's a great route runner. He's got good hands, too. Physical. He's physical after the catch, too. And this is something not a lot of people are aware of. And so all those Alabama receivers are physical after the catch. So that's why I think tape is really, really important. Because that really tells you the full story. Tape never lies. Statistics, you can spin any way to tell whatever story you want it to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, honestly, I think Henry Ruggs is probably the perfect argument for that because doesn't have a ton of production, has a huge touchdown number, and most of those are forty or twenty plus. And mm-hmm. but then you look on the sidelines and you have four guys playing rock paper scissors to who gets to catch the ball for the touchdown <laughs> this time. So you're like, okay, well, <laughs> it clearly wasn't just the talent. Yeah, yeah. I think another good example of that is Van Jefferson. I, I mean. You watch that guy run routes. Uh, it looks like he has the talent of a really good NFL receiver. Obviously, the production just was not there for various reasons. Um, I'm high on Van Jefferson. I don't know how everyone else is on him right now, but <laughs> I think we, so. I saw him in Mobile too, and the route running does stand out. Um, it's out of this world what he can do. With his feet, I think uh, we were pointing out that his comeback routes, where he's running a full-on go and he comes back, he can get he can hit that break and he's back in two steps, as opposed to three or four. Wow. Um, so he's very very fluid with that, and he'll create a lot of separation with that. I think, um, to me, I'm a little bit worried about his hands, and I don't think his speed is going to be adequate when he runs the forty at the combine and NFL teams are going to weigh that 40 because, you know, DBs are getting faster in this league and they want guys that are faster. And if you don't run that 40, it doesn't matter what you do with separation. You're going to drop a little bit to guys that can run a four, four or four, three. Right. Absolutely. True. Randy, do you have any other questions? I know we added like 10, but. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I'm good. That's a solid I mean, we we got a lot of information quickly. Yeah, John, thank you so much for for joining us. Like I said, especially on this short notice, uh, maybe sometime closer to the draft, we could have you back and we can talk about our our favorite prospects. For sure, I'm always down. Awesome, thanks, John.
All right. Again, major thanks to John for joining us um, on a late night. Uh, he, he did say we got lucky. We caught him on a night that he was off. Um, but go follow his socials at John D.A. Vogel, uh, V-O-G-E-L, and at Draft Right. Uh, draft and then R-I-T-E. Yeah. Fantastic site with a ton of great articles, their own rankings, their own mock drafts. Just good content, good interviews as well. Absolutely. Um, And before we get into our 2020 rookie quarterback rankings, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back. We are going to be going into our 2020 rookie quarterback rankings. I am going to start also. uh, We we are going to start. We are, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's Joe Burrow, obviously. Um, We, (laughs) you just heard our interview with John Vogel. He, he basically said that, that Joe Burrow is the most pro-ready quarterback we've ever seen, and I tend to agree with him. Randy, he's, definitely up, he's up there with Luck for sure, and what many assume will be up there with Lawrence next year. Yeah, see, I think Joe Burrow 2019 is going to be better than Trevor Lawrence 2020. Possibly. I mean, he. They, let's be real, and John just talked about this too. Burrow basically had the best season for a quarterback one ever. season in college ever, ever mainly because it's not an air raid system. You put the, the competition levels up. I mean, there's, it was incredible. There's a reason there, there's, there's no doubt he goes one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let he, me ask you this though. Okay. Do you think he has flaws? Like, do you think that there's a chance that there's some Mitch um, Trubisky effect here? Not- I don't, there's not a Mitch Trubisky effect. I'll say that. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, so basically the only hang up on Burrow is we've been burned by these kind of one year wonder type things uh, before. And the other hang up is he's like the oldest quarterback in the class, basically. And all those kind of coincide to how his career started, like Ohio State, uh, where there's so much more competition there for quarterback. uh, And he just wasn't ready yet. And I think this speaks a lot. Uh, and the other hang up would be the coaching. Maybe he's not going to get the same level of coaching at the next level. Uh, obviously, Joe Brady just got an NFL job without ever having a coordinator job in college, uh, just strongly based on what he did for Burrow. So I do think there are some there's some worries. I don't see flaws in his game. That's where like the hang ups go. Whereas we've seen flaws with Trubisky for sure throughout levels and everything and many other quarterbacks like that. Um, so that's why I know early on, like late season, me and you were in discussion because you're obviously a huge Andy Dalton fan. We were in discussion. Well, maybe is chase young plus Andy Dalton plus another pick and more play, you know, is that better for this team in the future? And I think at this point, I don't think there's any doubt that Burrow's way better than that for them, which is saying something because Chase Young is incredible. And Andy Dalton is at least serviceable, even if you don't like him. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking to – I I might be the biggest Andy Dalton stan. For someone who, like, I don't really like the Bengals, I don't know why I defend that man. Um, but I hope he gets a starting job because Joe Burrow's going one, and I don't think there's any question. Yeah, and I, I think he – I'm not going to go out and say, like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but I think it, 
unless they royally screw it up in Cincinnati, which let's be honest, could happen. He's going to be a perennial all pro. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking luck levels. We're talking Manning coming out levels, people hyped. I mean, I'm excited really, which sucks as a Browns fan, but I'm excited too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the one funny thing is Baker Mayfield becomes the worst quarterback in the division. Oh, not even close. Not okay, even well, close. third probably. Okay. But anyway, well, Lamar Jackson's technically the worst quarterback. But technically, uh, I love Lamar Jackson. I just it's just <laughs> funny. And Ben Roethlisberger is probably the worst. Yeah, as of now, obviously he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, props to what he does on the field. We're not going to talk anything else. But uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number two, two attack by a lot. <laughs> yes, number Transitions. two. Um, I know some people are a little nervous about Tua and his injuries. That's completely warranted. Um, and that's and that's it. That's, that's, it. that's exactly <laughs> why Tua is number two. And if Burrow didn't have the season he had, he'd be one. I mean, let's be real here. Tua is incredible. He can extend any play. He's such a great creator. Uh, many same to the extent of Russell Wilson, and as that, long as I, my worry is he's going to be a Dolphin most likely, and they have arguably the worst offensive line. I do believe they're going to at least draft two people. I think they can outbid a lot of people for other guys on the O line. Uh, to a certain extent, what the Raiders did to build up their line, and man, I I really hope for him in the future that they get a line for him. Uh, just because his talent is immense if he could stay healthy. I actually think that someone's going to jump the Dolphins. There's a shot. And it, and again, that's where we're hearing he's fully healthy by Combine. He's throwing at Combine. And if all those things come into play, then we're looking at, do the Redskins want him at two? We're, we're looking at, can Carolina wait a year? Yep. I mean, can the Chargers wait? Yes. I mean, there's there's so many things. There's there's also, there. there's also the, the sheer fact that this free agent quarterback class is shaping up to be pretty, I mean, you're going to see people like Jameis, you're going to see an Andy Dalton, you're potentially going to see Cam Newton. There's Obviously, there's a chance that none of those three guys hit the market, but you've got Philip well, Rivers, we, you've got Teddy Keith, Bridgewater, Tom Teddy Brady. Bridgewater. Exactly. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott doesn't have a contract, and he could not play on a tag. I mean, let's be real. That could very well happen, even though he's a good fantasy quarterback that has two top 30 receivers, a top O line, a top running back, and still could make the playoffs. But, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure he deserves to be the highest paid quarterback is what I'm saying there. Absolutely. But yeah. neither did Kirk Cousins, so pff, whatever. <laughs> but, yes, I think that the landing spots for a lot of those free agents determines where Tua goes. Cause if the chargers end up signing Jameis or Teddy Bridgewater, they're not going to trade up for Tua necessarily. Whereas sit there and get Derek Brown and be better. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but I think that if that isn't the case, if they can't land someone like that, uh, then I think Tua is in play for basically the whole league. I mean, there are a lot of quarterback needy teams. I, yeah. I think the, I mean, the Bears could even try to trade up. I don't know what they're doing with no. the second rounders. They, but. they can't. They, they've they traded away all their picks for Khalil Mack. They yeah. can't. Um, real dumb trade, huh? Yeah, real dumb. 
But yeah, Tua, <laughs> I, we hope he's he's healthy. I think he will be. Um, and yeah. we'll see what comes of it. I know a lot of people are, are cooling on him. Randy, who's he, your... Go ahead. Honestly, I love these next two guys as well. Obviously, honestly, the next three. Uh, but even if we only get a little bit longer career than RG3, really, at the top of the game, Tua, in those few years, is going to be, I think, might be better than everyone below him on this list. Yeah. Just for how good he is. So who is below him on your list, Randy? All right. So my number three is Justin Herbert. Um, and it's by a slight margin over Jordan Love, who is your number three. And I know Herbert's your four. I think we should break these two down together. Obviously, they're not the same player, but they have kind of the same intangibles and weaknesses to a certain extent. Uh, They both don't read a defense very well. They don't have great progression. Uh, They have good pocket awareness and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, they can't really read a defense to the fullest extent. So that awareness isn't there. Uh, The accuracy awareness is better than most people in the class, but still not top tier. Uh, they have strong arms, super mobile guys, can create plays. Um, I think with the right coaching and the right talent around them, they're going to be great fits in this league. And uh, I mean, we, we could easily get five quarterbacks in this class to be stars in the league going forward, which you can't really say most years. And going into this season, we didn't think would be this year either. We thought we'd have Tua and then... Jake Maybe Fromm. Jake Fromm, yeah. I was going to say, uh, Jordan Love was kind of an afterthought. Uh, even Joe Burrow was a fourth or fifth round pick under the year. So, uh, obviously, this is a much cool down from Herbert, who would have probably been picked before Daniel Jones last year. He'd mm-hmm. probably be a giant right now if we're being real. Um, maybe not. Get him in like, like the Duke connection, I guess. But, uh, Man, I, I really do like Herbert, especially a lot more coming last year tape. Uh, this year, I couldn't really... He didn't have terrible games, but he didn't have any great games. And he did a lot more with his legs than anything else. It was kind of a weird year for him. But I, I did like the progression. I didn't really see regression in his game a lot. Um, just progression in certain steps. But in the, the holes for both these guys, they needed to progress. They didn't. And uh, to a certain extent, that might have been talent around him, even though Herbert played at Oregon, which is much bigger than Utah State. It's not like Oregon's putting out top running backs and receivers every year. Uh, They look good in college and don't do anything in the NFL. So, I mean, let's be real. I like. (laughs) Absolutely. What's the what's I mean, LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, what are we what are we talking here? (laughs) Hey, he got your favorite team. Hey, hey, I. (laughs) I'm not saying I don't like LeGarrette Blunt, but I mean he's known in college for punching a guy. He's not known for being a tremendous running back. Yeah. Um, so one thing I do want to mention, I know a lot of big draft moguls are are putting some some bad juju on Jordan Love and Justin Herbert in that Jordan Love has received Patrick Mahomes comps and Justin Herbert has received Carson Wentz comps. Yes, and it's, but you got to remember, people forget this, and some people do this. I'm not going to say this isn't an actual thing, but comps are meant to be intangibles from college coming in. There are definitely tons of people in the draft Twitter universe that 
just give out comps of this is what they're going to be as a career. And that is so wrong and just so dumb because like we said with John, it is not just up to the quarterback. Absolutely. Tom, Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady if they didn't try and put a team around him. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Everyone thought he was a goat until they didn't really help him out. And he was awful this year. I mean, let's be real. An Aaron Rodgers year, this was awful. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And that's part of the reason why I have Love ranked above Herbert. I think, I actually think that Love is less dependent on his teammates. I know that sounds weird if you watch his 2018 tape and then his 2019 and you see his, like, just outstanding regression. He was very, very bad in 2019. I get it. But I think Jordan Love has accuracy that will translate better to the NFL. Whereas Herbert, his his completion percentage was high. And after watching a few games, like it, it kind of shocks me because when he's even throwing short routes, man, like Justin Herbert misses the easy throws. He makes some spectacular throws, but that's why I separated Love from Herbert. And I know I've flip-flopped a couple times now, but I'm going to stick to to my my first impression. And I think Love's going to sit in this three spot until the draft, unless we see something at the combine. Yeah. I mean, these are obviously personal rankings. We, I mean, there's definitely talk out there that the Chargers could like Love more than Herbert. But I know we, in our last mock, had Herbert going to them ahead by a long shot. Um I do like both, and like I said, I think they both could be very good in the league. Uh, and I do, I do agree with the intangible comps of Wentz and uh, Wentz and Mahomes. Mahomes, thank you. And every, you're going to hear that, like, oh well, Mahomes is obviously already amazing. Mahomes is Andy Reid. Mahomes has Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, a good old line, except for the guards. Well, one guard. <laughs> uh, and I mean like there's so much more help there and he sat a year i mean these guys probably won't be able to sit a year so at least a full one and i it's it's the intangibles are there though i understand it but it's completely different offenses as well like love pretty much threw the first read every time and it was usually pretty short unless he was rolling out and then and the rollouts weren't always rollout plays. They were rollouts no. because the left tackle or the right tackle or the center got blown up. It happened yeah. so much. That's why I'm I'm really interested. Like he did perform well at the senior bowl. Um he was pretty clearly the best quarterback on his team. I think he was on the north. I don't remember north versus south, but um he performed well there. He had talent around him. He didn't really get a chance to shine. I know we've talked about this off air. Jordan Love threw the least amount of passes out of any quarterback there. He threw less passes than Anthony Gordon. He threw less passes than Jalen Hurts. I don't know if that was strategic, if that was just kind of the game flow. Yeah, but they, it, they didn't it have a good point. opening drive, and and then the South had the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Herbert had the ball. He yeah. went down, and scored. Yep, he and he he shined in the senior bowl. But let's move on to number five. We do have the same number five. It is Jacob Eason. Um quarterback out of Washington, if you guys don't know. 
Um, because he was at Georgia, they should have kept him instead of a guy a little further down. But uh, Jacob Eason is interesting to me. When I initially started my <laughs> evaluations, I had Jacob Eason as my quarterback too. I had him over Tua, and I started. Let me. I'll be honest. Like when I actually sat down and put uh, basically pen to paper with this, Tua had already been hurt. I had that pretty fresh in my mind. Um, after rewatching to a tape, I realized how stupid I was, but Jacob Eason was impressive enough to me to put him over Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. And not much has changed. We haven't seen him play. And I think that's what's changed, but there's a pretty good chance that Jacob Eason jumps here. Um, I don't think he, I think he may stay at five for me because this is where he's going to get drafted. But a team yeah. may fall in love with that big arm. I think we, we talked about it before we started recording. Jacob Eason may have the biggest arm in this draft class. Possibly. Um, I'm still going to use Burrow there, but Probably. Eason's up there. And to a certain extent, we're, we're talking a guy that rightfully is comp to like Jameis without the mistakes to a certain extent. So... But people, uh, what I don't understand is people say that, and then they don't say Matt Stafford, because Matthew Stafford is Jameis without the mistakes. <laughs> He's got that enormous arm. Yep, always tough, always out there. Doesn't throw the picks really. Doesn't put up amazing numbers necessarily all the time. He's also been hurt a good amount recently, but he's huge. He's huge in fantasy, and yep. I don't think it's out of the question for Easton to go at fourteen. To the Bucks, I, I really don't think that's out of the question. I don't think it's out of the question for them to trade back into the first late to go for him. I don't think it's out of the question for the Patriots or the Saints or any of these teams with aging quarterbacks uh, to just draft this guy. I personally like Stidham on the Patriots, uh, but I can understand wanting. I, I think coming out, Easton's probably an improvement over him. Uh, but obviously, Stidham's been in the system. I'm just saying. Yeah. He's good, and he and he's the fifth quarterback. I said I think could be a consistent starter in this league going forward. I don't think he's going to be. He could be good for fantasy. I'm not, but I don't think he he's going to be a mid level quarterback in the league. Uh, but we just saw one of those almost win a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> so we, I mean, yeah, I I agree with everything you said. Absolutely. I do want to ask a question. Like you said that Eason could go as high as 14 to the Bucks. Yeah. Do you think the reason for that is because they know that they're getting basically the same quarterback as Jameis, but on a rookie deal? Or yeah. do you think that they'd tag Jameis, have Eason sit behind him for a year and watch all the interceptions and learn from that and then take over? So I say that. Not necessarily uh, just because of the Jameis comp, uh, more for the scheme there. They need a big arm quarterback, uh, but they need less turnovers. They just do it. It's, it's not because of the scheme. It's because the team isn't just fully there yet. Uh, they Obviously, they had a better record. They're at 14. They're close to the playoffs. Let's be real. They were almost better than half the league with Jameis having 32 turnovers. I mean, <laughs> you cut that in half, maybe wow. you're picking at 20 here. You know what I mean? Like, 
and it's a rookie deal. I pers like we've said on here before, I think Jameis is back. Um, just because he did show out in this system, whether that was because of the talent receiver or not, uh, I guess that's to be determined. Sure. I don't think I don't think they signed him to a four or five year deal. I don't think he's worth thirty million. Uh, but but I also don't want them to tag him because if they can't work at a deal with Shaq Barrett, I think it's smarter to tag him for a year, make sure this can actually be another year thing because this is really the first year Shaq Barrett's been that good yeah. and his tag is going to be 16 million around there compared to about 27 for Jameis so it'd be so much smarter for their books to get him on a tag maybe do a one or two year deal for Jameis here at 25 million and then draft Eason that's so that's what I was gonna say is I think they'd do a two year with Jameis for about 25, I think they'll tag Shaq Barrett. And I think if Jameis declines that 25, he's he's going to have the, the Lev Bell effect, and he's going to have to take less money than he was initially offered. So I think that he, it's almost a guarantee that Jameis comes back. He may because, I mean, that's there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks still. There is every year because teams get older. I mean, is it out of question for the Steelers to – to sign Jameis? I mean, no, I don't think so. True. Is that a question for the Steelers to draft Jacob Eason? Not even close. They could easily come up and get him. In in my 1.5, that's exactly what happened. They traded into pick number 32, and they got their quarterback and that fifth-year option. Um, I, I think that's a very likely scenario. I think that I think it's a stretch to say Eason will go that high, but I completely uh, see it. Like that's that's the ceiling of the draft for him. That's why yeah. I put it out. Like I can envision them thinking we won't be able to get him in the second. We're not sure if we could trade back up. What we need to give up? Let's just get him here, and that could be a trade down as well. Because at that point, there's going to be receivers, corners, edges, tackles, even maybe that teams need. So uh, there's so much movement that can happen right there, and. I mean, there there's a chance that both the tackles are gone there. Maybe Fulton and Akuda's gone, and they don't view Henderson or anyone else up to that standard. I mean, there's plenty there's plenty of reasons why they could pick the quarterback there. They could trade away. I mean, we're both of us think James is back, but he very well maybe a Dolphin. I mean, what we don't know. <laughs> he could be a Patriot, dude. That's we don't know. That's so crazy. But uh, yeah, I I agree with. With all of that, I, I hope Jacob Eason lands in a place where he can thrive because I think in the right system, I think in the reason we've been talking about the Bucks so much is because that is the perfect system for Jacob Eason. Um, just what it requires, the two receivers, um, it would allow them to keep Chris Godwin. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen. A lot of people do think it's going to happen. but I, I do want to say... Uh, in the Vikings scheme from last year, I understand the Browns technically quote unquote have that, but it's not like the Vikings are going to change their scheme. Uh, I think he could be a good transition from Cousins as well because that scheme definitely uses an accurate quarterback with a big arm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Kirk Cousins doesn't doesn't necessarily have a big arm, but he's accurate, and he's not relied upon to throw thirty times a game. So what you're telling me is Jacob Beeson to the Browns at number ten. Not a chance. I will slap you <laughs> so many times. Okay, number six. Same quarterback for both of us. It's Jalen Hurts. 
Um, I'm actually shocked that Jalen Hurts is your number six quarterback, Randy. He is number six mainly because I like from to an extent. Uh, obviously, super regression this year with not really a dip in talent around him or anything like that. Uh, he even had a good line. Everything. I mean, let's be real. Georgia was good. And he didn't do anything to really win them games necessarily. Uh, I don't really think he did a ton to lose them games except for one or two here or there. <laughs> we definitely saw those. But uh, I there just was a progression. And I think he can get the right coaching in the NFL and be fine. Uh, but Hurts just, he has about the same accuracy, probably about the same arm, maybe even a little stronger. They have the same, really, I mean, Hurts has better pocket awareness, way more mobile, can run multiple different schemes. He can run a power scheme. He can run a West Coast. He can run Air Raid to an extent. He can run a Baltimore Ravens type scheme. I mean, he's versatile where from really needs to be that guy that's just sitting there only dinking and dunking, having a couple really good throws here and there, a play action type scheme that he's relied upon to lead the offense and not just gunsling them games. Yeah. And so, and that's and that's literally just why Hertz is above. They're ranked almost exactly the same in my ratings. It's just Hertz has more intangibles, gets more versatile. That leadership of Hertz, that silent killer leadership. I think it's better than from. Yeah, so absolutely. So that's the sole reason that I have hurts above from. I know I have different round grades on them right now. Um, shut up, dude. Yeah, I know my voice cracked. <laughs> we will acknowledge it to the listeners as well. Um, <laughs> uh, hurts is where he is because of the stuff that you can't teach, and that's leadership. But also. When you look at his stats, I know he's playing in Oklahoma's offense. I know that's a lot different than playing in the Wisconsin offense that Russell Wilson played in, but their stats are nearly identical. Russell Wilson was a tad better. He was a little more accurate. He threw for less picks. But that is my comp for Jalen Hurts. And if that's the case, sure, I'll take Hurts in the second round. Because, I mean, Russell Wilson fell all the way to the third because um, he was a short guy. He had basically one year of success. That's Jalen Hurts to a T. Like, wow. Jalen Hurts is yeah. bigger. <laughs> That's- yeah. And I have third round grade, a third round grade on uh, Hurts, but that's because I only have four first round guys and a second round grade only on Eason. And that's. But it, but see, like in Hertz, Hertz cannot play this year. There's no chance he he should be on a field this year, except for cleanup duty or his team's fifteen and zero and he's on the field. Like <laughs> he needs to learn. He needs to get a little bit better in a bunch of different aspects. But he could be bet. Like he could work out. Like the this isn't. He's not Lamar because he's can run the ball, but he can play that kind of system. So if you believe that you can get that system in the right place and he's going to be cheaper down the road, he's worth a draft pick. I mean, it's literally just if you believe in that type of system, he's worth it. And it, it his 
leadership and intangibles are just off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jalen Hurts to the Seahawks makes too much sense uh, in the second round. They have two picks in the second round. So at that back end of the second round, basically a third round pick, I wouldn't be shocked to see Jalen Hurts go, but I also wouldn't be shocked to see him go to the Bears with one of their second round picks. But I'm sure we'll get into two round mocks here soon. We'll see. Man, we have to take a quick pause. I just can't focus with this on my mind. Have you ever looked at a woman with a charcoal face mask on and thought, man, that activated charcoal would feel great on my scrotum? Uh, no, I, I don't think I've ever thought that, man. Uh, are you, you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Every time my girlfriend has a face mask on, I ask her to borrow it for my ball sack. Well, does she let you do that? She definitely does not know, well, but she should. She should, but the good thing is you don't have to ask her that really embarrassing question anymore. What, what do you mean? There's a ball wash company, Ballsy, that has this exact product for you. So you're telling me that Ballsy, a pretty clear and obvious sponsor of this podcast, has a high-quality, made-in-the-U.S. ball wash with activated charcoal? Yeah, man. Just go to ballwash.com and check out their ball wash. I wouldn't want my balls washed, not from the USA. So this is the site for you. You should also check out their Your Incredible Balls Nut Rub Cologne gift set. It includes three Nut Rub Cologne scents, including a limited edition Drift and Dunes V-Day scent. It is perfect for Valentine's Day. Nikki has to get this for you. It's the only way you both will be happy in life. Wow. In all seriousness, guys, Ballsy truly is a fun brand that knows how to write up quite the product description. Their products focus on below-the-belt care and are free of parabens, sulfates, and synthetic dyes. They have tons of products to take care of your testicle holder and even more. Ballsy's Your Incredibles Nut Rub Cologne package, get it, is just $35, but we at The Cut want to give you an even better deal. Go to ballwash.com and use the promo code CUT20 for 20% off. Again, that's ballwash.com and promo code CUT20 for 20% off the Your Incredibles Nut Rub Cologne gift set. Tell your girlfriends and or wives to get this gift set for your balls instead of just getting you some golf balls or some other lame gift. Man, 20% off. If my girlfriend's not getting this for me, I have to cop this product before she cops a feel of my balls. Major thank you to Ballsy for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right, our number seven quarterback, both of us have Jake Fromm here. Randy, you touched on him quite a bit. Um, My thing with Jake Fromm is he's regressed every single year he's been in college. He's – my comp for him is Josh McCown. I think he can be a really solid backup quarterback for a very, very long time because he is a really smart guy. And I think teams are going to fall in love with that. And – because quarterbacks get pushed up, I do think that Jake Fromm's going to get drafted in the second round. I don't think he has the talent of a second round quarterback. Um, that's enough talk about Jake Fromm. I, <laughs> I honestly, like, I'm just so disappointed. This dude was supposed to be competing for the number one overall pick coming into this year, and he absolutely plummeted his draft stock. And still yeah. came out. He could have went back to Georgia for a year. Well, why why continue to regress? Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> but I probably- I do want to point out same thing with Jalen Hurts should not touch the field this year. 
maybe even multiple years, but could be maybe even a good ever. starter in the league. That's they could both be. have the leadership intangibles, uh, intelligence to just be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So it's just coaching scheme if they can get him there. Yeah. And so somebody's gonna have to take the chance, and that's what's gonna come down to. Absolutely. Um the the one thing that separates from from the next guys that we talk about is that leadership and just he wins. Like quarterbacks that win, we don't talk about it often enough. Someone like Baker Mayfield, the dude won football games. He had a lot of things working against him, ended up being the number one pick. Um we don't need to talk about Baker Mayfield anymore, but I'm just saying winning matters. Jake Fromm did a lot of that. I know it was a great team around him, but I think some team's going to take a shot on him. Maybe that's the Bears. Who, Who's your who number knows? eight? He, uh, yeah, I was going to say, who knows? He just he deserves to be picked at least by the third round. He's got he's got the pedigree. He's got the smarts, the leadership. He'll, he's going to be he's going to be in the league for a long time, in my opinion. But all right. Uh, my number eight is Cole McDonald, and I know you have him one spot lower. Um, why, why do you have Anthony Gordon ahead of him? Because Uh, I I have these guys really close. So, so I I will be completely honest up until about 1 PM today, I had Cole McDonald sitting in my eight spot. I told you yesterday, I was going to go back and watch some Anthony Gordon tape and, I could not get off his game against UCLA where he threw for, uh, what, nine touchdowns or seven touchdowns or I don't even know how many touchdowns. I lost count. Um, I know it's it's silly to take a guy's best game and move him up in your rankings, but I think that a lot of the things that Anthony Gordon did are the things that Gardner Minshew was able to do, and I think Anthony Gordon does it better. You know, I so I... I'll be flat out. I have a bias here because I think that Gardner Minshew is going to be a decent starting quarterback this year. Um, I know he doesn't have the starting job as of right now. I think he will before the season starts. I think he has a lot of skills that people overlook because those two guys went to Washington State. They don't play the best competition. They have a weird throwing motion. If you watch Anthony Gordon, it's like watching Gardner Minshew. It's like Gardner Minshew taught Anthony Gordon how to throw the football. But I think that Anthony Gordon has a little better decision making coming out. Um, I don't. I I will say I don't really know about his leadership. I I don't know if yeah, he I, can take the reins, but he's not going to be expected to. I mean, he's my eighth quarterback. Um, it, the quarterback eight in drafts normally doesn't have to take the reins from someone, but um, we'll talk a, a little bit on Cole McDonald, I guess from from I, from that I will conversation. Say I have these two pretty much identical to each other. Um, I think Gordon's a little bit more accurate across the board than McDonald, but it's not by a lot. Uh, I think just McDonald has a bigger arm. I think that's literally the separation for me. Uh, I, I, like I said, obviously we both don't know enough. We don't watch Hawaii and Washington state every day. Um, we don't, we can't speak to the leadership at this aspect. And, uh, 
like we can with the other guys because we we know more about them. Uh, but it's it's literally neck and neck for me. And I think there's a couple other guys that are in those kind of categories. Well, of they should be on teams. They should not be starters. They can be very vital to an organization and can be amazing backups down the road here. And and that can always turn into a starter down the road. I'm not saying that's not possible, but I, they both are really good. And it's like I said, it's literally just the separation of arm strength where uh, Gordon has average arm strength and McDonald has, I mean, it's not, it's, it's elite arm strength. It's not up to Eason and Burrow and them, but it's, it's right under. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally that is literally the only separation. They both have hitches in their mechanics and footwork for sure. Awareness isn't spectacular, uh, but they they show good traits. They usually win games. Uh, they're not in good conferences, uh, so it's hard to just distinguish. Really, I yeah. mean, Washington State's in a decent conference, but yeah, I I do want to touch on on Cole McDonald really quick. I. I was pleasantly surprised when I turned on his film. I did not expect much. I know he was one of the late declarations. I believe he declared the day before the deadline or something close to that. So I hadn't really looked at him at all. And then I went back and I watched a few games and and I was pleasantly surprised. I think that he can be a very viable backup. These two guys are guys that I hope the Browns target and I think Anthony Gordon would be a much better fit just because of his play style and how it, it kind of mirrors Baker Mayfield. Uh, but Cole McDonald would be awesome as well. Yeah. And these, all these guys left are day three guys and we're talking teams need to take shots on young quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, what backups can you name right now? I mean, let's be real. There's really not a ton that you're like, okay, well, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. There's a couple standouts that we know, honestly, kind of from Browns fans. We know a few of them. <laughs> no. uh, but, <laughs> I mean, there's guys that are backups like Bridgewater that are going to be starters this year. So there's there's plenty of like that. But we're, we're talking about guys that were starters that flamed out like RG3 or Mark Sanchez a couple years ago. I mean, we're Brian Hoyer. Like we're talking like that, yeah. So I think these guys can easily be that, and I mean I think they could be better than Mark Sanchez career wise at least. Uh, but fumble, obviously he had a, he had a good year or two. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he didn't, but uh, <laughs> I, I do like you said. I like these guys as NFL quarterbacks. I don't know if they ever get a chance to have the reins, uh, but I think if they do, they're gonna be surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're not going to be stars. They're not going to be. They're not Tom Brady coming out. I mean, let's. Hey, you never I mean, know. That's what. That's what. Once you get past the third round, that's what everyone compares you to. So, uh, <laughs> let's hey, be real. I mean, and now, and now, either, and now, very well could hopefully for your sake be Gardner Minshew down the road here. Yeah. I like what he did, but these guys could be that just put in and be good but you know like i said uh but th- those are our eight nine uh who do you have at 10 i have jake lutton I okay same here <laughs> yeah. my screen yeah my screen wasn't all the way down that's why i was asking <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i have jake lutton and this is another guy that i think can be successful in the right system a lot of what jake lutton does is 
is pretty average. I, I think that he he goes out there, he makes pretty good throws. He doesn't make spectacular throws, but he's fairly accurate. He's not the most mobile guy, but you look at him. He's he's fucking he's six, huge. Seven. He's, he's oh my he's, god, he's huge. He's, he's six seven, two thirty on a bad day. Um, honestly, I think he's probably gonna be about two forty five, two fifty coming into the combine. He's massive. Yeah, he, he he looks like an edge. He looks like a tight end. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, let's be real, and that's and that's honestly. Uh, I think he's a little bit better overall than like Steven Montez or anyone like that. Um, but just those physical traits put him over. He's the only quarterback that's like size 10 for me. I don't know about you, but he's just enormous. I and have... he's got a cannon. He's got a cannon. Like it, it's kind of like we said earlier, it's not, it's elite. It's not top of the class, but it's elite. Yep. So I actually have a size a 10 grade on Eason and Herbert. And I think that Jake Lutton is Jacob Eason light. Like, I think Jacob Eason is a little more that, accurate. Isn't, isn't that Jake Fromm? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jake Fromm, dude. Poor Georgia. Um, yep. No, stupid Georgia. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that that Jake Lutton in the right system can be a good backup i don't think this is a guy that you're gonna see in dynasty drafts though i don't think that no he's gonna be on a waiver (laughs) yeah absolutely but there's a shot that he's he's worthy of a stash depending on where he goes there's i mean he went to the pittsburgh steelers i'd pick him up right away you know he went if he went to the bills i might think about having like a watch on him i mean let's be real josh allen's play style He's going to get him hurt. Uh, he's going to get hurt every now and then. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be that old guy. He ran, so he's going to get hurt. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, there's so many of those. I mean, there's still yeah. there's still old guys that refuse to admit Lamar Jackson's incredible. I mean, uh, like, you have a higher chance of getting hurt. We've seen it before. And he's got a huge arm. He's not going to be – he's mobile for a big guy. I'll say that. I mean – to the extent that, like maybe like Ben Roethlisberger is mobile, like he's got to break <laughs> tackles. He's he yeah. can run for a first down. Uh, he's not going to run the system that Josh Allen does, but he can throw John Brown. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. He can throw John Brown open. <laughs> <laughs> you just chuck it, man. He'll go exactly. get it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I I agree completely. I hope he lands in a system that he can thrive in. But that wraps up our, our top 10 quarterbacks. Um, I know we we listed our 11 and 12, but I think that I want to reevaluate some of these really late guys because yeah. the NFL Combine list just came out. Um, there are some guys that were snubbed that actually made both of our, our lists. Um, so I think it, it'd be smart to just keep those to ourselves for now and uh, report back closer to draft well, time. And in fairness, there's what I think there's like two or three other guys I have to go more in depth on. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying they're not going to be ahead of these guys, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will kick right into our NFL draft trivia. This is fully centric on on quarterbacks uh, to go with the theme of the episode for the most part. And me with these questions. So I, I came up with these questions. I'm just going to ask Randy 
Uh, listeners, if you get all five right, shoot us uh, a mention on Twitter or a DM, and we'll say congrats. I don't think we'll be giving anything away, but you never know. So just shoot us, uh, shoot us a message either way. Randy, are you ready? Sure. All right. I I do see. I will point out. I can see these questions now. I have not looked at these beforehand, though. Yes. I, so these. I except mean, for the the first one you told me right before we started, but it's, obviously I haven't had time to look it up. Yes. <laughs> so question number one: Who was the only first round quarterback in the 2013 NFL draft? So if I remember right, this is basically the worst quarterback draft ever. Yep. So that it leads me to believe Geno Smith, but I do remember he was a second round quarterback. Now, if I can remember the name of the guy. Oh, it's uh he was on the Raiders. EJ Manuel. Yes. Is that him? Are you kidding me? I am pumped no. that. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm not gonna lie. The second question helped because it helped me separate the drafts. Yep. Okay. In my head. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Holy crap! I'm shocked you got that. EJ Manuel is probably the most forgettable quarterback ever. Was, wasn't uh, that like the Bills number nine overall or something like that? Uh, something. Yeah. It, it, oh. it was fairly high. He was the only first round quarterback. One of the only drafts that there's only been one quarterback in the first round in in a long while. So uh, I thought I'd highlight that. Question number two. In 2012, uh, for you listeners, that's the Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, the third draft. Who was the third quarterback taken? Dude. I, I honestly don't know. But I'm just going to guess by age. Tannehill? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I swear to God, I'm not cheating. I know Are you you're serious. Not. That's Tannehill. Yes, that was just a guess because the Dolphins suck all the time. <laughs> yes, it, it was Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I was going to give you a hint if you can form uh, form a guess that he was successful in the NFL this year. Ryan Tannehill was the third quarterback right. taken. He was also in the first round. And what's crazy is he has a shot to be the most successful out of those three guys. Very true. Wild. Absolutely wild. All right, question number three. How many quarterbacks have the Browns drafted since their return to the NFL in 1999? Not had, because we know that list is impossible to keep That's track of. a lot longer. So we got Tim Couch, yep. Sean Kaiser, Brady Quinn, Brandon Whedon, Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel. There's got to be another one. I'm going to go – okay, so what is that? Whedon, Manziel. You're at six. Six. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to say there's one more than that. Okay, so I should probably pull up the list. You missed Charlie Fry. Oh, balls. How did I forget Charlie Fry? <laughs> you missed uh, Colt McCoy. Okay, yeah, that was just dumb on my part. Yeah, I don't know I, I don't know how you missed that. You know, um, see, when I first saw this question, I wanted to say eight, and that's still not right. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> there are two more, and I'll be completely honest. I don't even remember who they were. Uh, oh, Cody Kessler. Okay. There's nine. And then the other See, guy I, I don't even think I've heard of. I was strictly thinking first round, and I know Charlie <laughs> Fry was first, but I just forgot about him. Yeah. Cole McCoy uh, was third, which is wild. Yes. Um, shout out Colt McCoy, big Washington Redskins guy now. So we're, so we're 10 since 1990. 10, 10 quarterbacks drafted since 1990. I mean, 
I mean, we're, that's 20 years. Like, but that's still a lot. Add in all but, the signings, like Jeff Garcia and uh, Seneca we don't, need, we don't need that list, yeah. <laughs> all right. That was a long list. Question number four. What round was Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury drafted by your Patriots in 2003? It was the sixth round. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so that was, that was a complete guess. Complete guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew I knew it wasn't first four rounds at least. So, yeah. and because you said drafted, I knew it wasn't undrafted. So yeah. <laughs> it was only a few there you go. <laughs> hey, it could have been a trick question. It could have been. All right. Last question: Who was the last quarterback selected in the 2005 NFL draft? I will I have, give you a hint. You, he's yeah. He's relevant. He's relevant. Yeah, it's not some like Charlie Whitehurst or anything like that. Could you give me a round? Around a, a seventh, very oh, end no. of the seventh. Two thousand five. <laughs> Josh McCallum. I I know it's not right. But. No. Um, same around the same age though. Take one more guess. Any other hint? <laughs> uh. He's also a good rushing quarterback as of 2019. Holy hell. And that's a trick. Kind of. I was going to say, that's got to be a trick. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Is it Fitzpatrick? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Are you serious? (laughs) He was the last last quarterback drafted in that draft. Uh, Obviously, the rushing was a joke. He led the Dolphins in rushing with yeah. over 300 yards. Um, but yeah, good job. You just freaking ran the table with this trivia. No, I, I no, got you the missed, rounds one wrong. Yeah, you missed yeah. them too. And I lucked out. And I basically got that last one wrong. You, you gave me like three guesses. Yes, but three hits. <laughs> uh, overall, good job. I think we're going to do this again. That was pretty fun. Maybe you that can was hard. come up with Yeah, maybe you can yeah. test me next time. But uh, that'll do it for the episode. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you subscribe. As always, follow us on socials. I'm at 40 underscore Williams. Randy is at Randy underscore Hall 71. That's on Twitter. Um, next week, we do have our 2020 rookie tight end rankings. And we have a big interview with the guys from the fifth quarter podcast, Sean Gilbert and Logan Updike. Um, I featured on their podcast a couple months ago during the fantasy season. They're returning the favor. They're going to come talk to us. We're going to focus on uh, mostly the Browns, but some NFL draft stuff. And uh, Sean and I actually played baseball together. So I'm going to ask Sean if he thinks he was better at football or baseball in high school. Um, (laughs) We had a nice uh, shortstop second base combo. So um it it was a good time but uh we're looking forward to that we think that's going to be another great interview uh before we get out of here major thanks again to john vogel for joining us for our interview tonight um and while i'm at it thank you thank you to everyone who's joined us recently um we've grown pretty quickly here with our nfl draft coverage and we can't thank our listeners enough Um, So give yourself a pat on the back uh, for giving us a little bit of a a boost of confidence because um, we've bumped up quite a bit here. Yeah. Encourages us to work harder too. Absolutely. To continue the draft coverage. So absolutely. Uh, Yeah. 
like I always say, any questions you guys have, please ask away. We answer anyone we can. Uh, so, yeah. yeah but <laughs> All right. Well, for, for Randy Hall, I am Christian Williams. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.